really isn't something I take for granted or take lightly. It's a privilege and honor. And my deepest prayer and hope for this morning and all week long, I was just praying, oh God, will you just speak to us? Will you speak through your word? Would we all grow closer to you this morning? Would you turn my voice down so low and yours up so high? So for any of you who might not know me, if you're watching at home, maybe you don't know me, maybe you don't know me if you're here, uh, my name is Brittany, so I'm the youth worker here at Redland, which essentially means my full-time job and what I do for money is eat candy with youth, play games, and uh, teach them a little bit more about Jesus. So it really is probably the best job ever. Sometimes I remember, oh, some people have real jobs. Ah, I get to do this. This is awesome. (laughs) And something we're going to do today to start off our sermon, to start off this time together, introverts, you're going to hate it so much. I'm so sorry. Uh, (laughs) Something I've been doing with the youth, and I've found it's been pretty awesome and enriching to my faith, is I've been spending less time speaking at the youth and trying to spend more time speaking with them and having questions and just discovering the Bible together by listening, asking questions. Um, And it's really enriched my faith. So I've got some questions for you. Jill's going to put them on the screen right now. All right, we're going to talk to our neighbors, those around us. The questions are, holidays. I know it's COVID, like we can't think about this right now, but let's put ourselves in this mindset. Do you prefer beach breaks or city breaks? And oh yeah, what's, what's your favorite holiday you've been on? Why did you like it so much? Then I'd like you guys to discuss what is the craziest thing in your life that you've ever done? I'll kickstart mine. I went bungee jumping once when I was 23, just about to turn 24. It was wild. It was very not like me. And um, in what ways has following Jesus changed your life? So turn to those around you, turn to your neighbors, maybe someone you don't know. We'll do like five minutes of just discussing these questions together.
after all the questions, quickly get the last of it out. Uh, I'd love to see show of hands. Who are my beach holiday people? My people, yes, yes, come on now. Uh, I guess City Breaks is everyone else, isn't it? Hands up for City Breaks. Okay, oh, it's pretty right down the middle. Stephen's like both. <laughs> Does anyone, did anyone have some crazy things they've done in their lives? Anyone wanna, what's something crazy you heard in your group? John Haynes, I feel like you would have done something crazy. Anyone? Come on now, middle class Redland. I know we got some stories. Let's go. Oh, we have hands up. What am I doing? Tina, Tina, what did you have? Oh, that's awesome. Did I see a hand over here? Yeah, Victor. I thought I saw David gesturing to Ruth, I think. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, Ruth, you are full of surprises. I love it. Goodness, I love it. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this. I thought, you know what's weird? Some of the craziest things we can do in our lives, the biggest decisions we can make in our lives, are things we've just normalized. Actually, Amanda hasn't. You know, we all think being married is just this normal thing. But it's actually one of the craziest decisions we can make. Who are we going to spend our life with? Who are we going to journey through the highs and lows of life with? I've just bought a house. Yeah! It's awesome! It's awesome! Um, but it's actually crazy. It feels like a decision that's something that's so normal. It feels like something that's normalized. I've had a lot of pressure on me of like, oh, I'm almost 30 now. Now is the time where I'm supposed to do this, do that, do that, because this is what normal people do. Like, why don't I have this yet? But when you think about it, it's not a normal thing. This pressure I've put on myself, it's, I don't know how this has become normalized, because it's insane. I've just spent the most money ever, I can't even think about it, it almost makes me sick, on an object that is something I felt like, oh, I'm supposed to do this. I spent 30 minutes inside of the house, and then I decided, to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds on it. I think I spend more time umming and awing over a 20 pound pair of shoes than I did on buying a house. <laughs> the things we've normalized, or even like having kids. That's something I'm feeling. I'm gonna be 30 in about six months. And it's a pressure I've been feeling of like, oh, this is what 30 year olds are supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to be. But when you think about it, having children is an insane proposition. <laughs> so you mean, I am gonna have these little people 
And it's my job to form them and raise them and love them and to teach them. It's a big job. It's a, it's a massive responsibility. And then I have the distinct pleasure of having them suck all my money dry, give me gray hairs. It's not even for 18 years. I think it progresses much longer. I don't know. I've not had them myself, but I have a feeling it doesn't end at 18 years. Like, this is crazy. This, I, I don't know if I want to be signed up for that. <laughs> this, this is an insane proposition. And we've normalized the biggest and craziest decisions of our lives because they feel so normal and every day, but they're not. They're exceptional. They're wild. They're as crazy as bungee jumping, I think. And I might even venture to say we've done a really similar thing to our faith, to following Christ, to scripture, We've normalized it when it's really exceptional. I, I remember when I was a teenager, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian household at all, so I didn't you know, go to Explorers or Impact. I, didn't, I wasn't raised talking about spirituality or anything like that. My family didn't hate Christians. We just thought they were a bit odd. <laughs> and we are. We are a bit odd, really. <laughs> Um, and I had a very radical conversion when I was 16. Um, I just had this big life-transforming encounter with God that left me never the same. And I cannot be the same again. I was a little bit of a rocker at the time. I wore a lot of black. I lifted, listened to some heavy music. Jill has got some pictures of this time in my life. Yeah, I... Long black hair. This is me. I was such a skater girl, man. I was punk rock. Oh, Jill, we've got more, don't we? Just so you guys can really take in the essence of me. Like a nice stud belt. This is me. Yeah. I was like a punk rock, emo, I like some heavy music kind of kid. And there was nothing I wanted to be less than a Christian. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't want this. Christians were prudes. They... Oh, they were really concerned about making sure their midriff didn't show at my school. They were more afraid of someone saying the F word uh, than the poverty that was plaguing our city. Uh, in my head, these were just the most boring, prudish, just lovely people who were more concerned with their image uh, and how they look to the outward world than the stuff Jesus actually cared about. And I had absolutely no interest in that. Do not sign me up for that. For me, following Christ was the biggest decision I've ever made in my life, and actually it still daily is. As I wake up, do another day, and offer myself once again as a living sacrifice to God, it's the biggest decision I have ever made and am still making. We, we done, we've done the same thing to scriptures as well. As Christians and followers of God, we listen to these stories. Christmas is an excellent example of this. We listen to these stories. We know them so well that it feels just normal, and it feels like, oh, another sermon about this. It feels so normal, but it isn't. The Bible is filled with these exceptional stories spanning thousands of years of people who have had a radical experience and life-changing encounter with God and they cannot be the same. They're these collection of experiences, and they're not boring experiences, like some of them, they're pretty punk rock. Like, there's some punk rock stuff happening in these pages. How on earth have we made the Bible seem boring? 
If I ask the youth, why don't you read your Bible? Why don't you really care about it? The very first thing they'll say is, oh, because it's so boring. It's so boring, Brittany. I cannot get my head into it. And I'm thinking, how have we made the radical, scandalous life, death, and teachings of Jesus boring, dull? I want to turn to scripture today, this morning. Um, And and while we read today's scripture, I want us to reflect on question number four that we discussed earlier in our small groups, how Jesus has changed our lives. How are our lives different from following him? So we're reading um, from Luke 1. I'm going to be reading 39 all the way down to 46, or 56, sorry. So the story begins where we left off last week. So if anyone wasn't here, Mary had just finished seeing an angel who told her she was pregnant. Crazy stuff happening. Uh, Even though she's a virgin and even though she's engaged, she becomes pregnant, conceived of the Holy Spirit, and the baby inside of her is going to be the Messiah, is going to be the Christ. And this unmarried teenage girl in a patriarchal world, when the angel said this, basically said the equivalent of, boom, baby, like, let's do it. Go on then. And what she really said was, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be fulfilled. So she just said yes to a whole big wild adventure. And this is where we pick up. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she was greeted Oh, where she entered Zechariah's home and was greeted by Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then it goes into Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, and all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestor. Yeah, said it once and I'll say it again this morning, punk rock stuff happening here. (laughs) These women... Mary, Elizabeth, they know what's going on. They know what's up. Uh, And the Bible is so progressive for its time as well. So look at the stories that we've read so far in Advent and how they contrast against each other. So the first story we read was about Zechariah from a a few weeks before. It was Zechariah, a man, a priest, no less. So, you know, his full-time job was to, like, 
know when God is speaking and moving and kind of act as an intermediary. Uh, when the angel greets him, he doesn't trust what the angel's saying. He doesn't get what's going on. Um, he's asking questions. He's like, oh, but this is crazy. How are we going to get pregnant? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so he's the one asking all these questions. He's not trusting what's going on. The priest... <laughs> cannot spiritually see what's happening. But who's clued in? The women. <laughs> the priest isn't in the know-how. The women who are like, you know, kind of not good enough to be priests and do all this stuff. They're the ones who are in the know-how. They're the ones who see what's going on. When women, when Mary sees the angel, she's like, yeah, that sounds like a pretty raw deal for me, being pregnant and unmarried and a teenager. But uh, I'm the Lord's servant. Let's do it. Who are the first ones who believe in Jesus? Who are the first ones who know that this baby is a Messiah? It's the women. <laughs> Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and blesses Mary. These women know what's going on when the male priests are kind of like, what? But how will that work? I don't get it. <laughs> it's progressive. It's progressive, the Bible. And I want to talk to the young girls for a minute. Everyone else, you can keep listening as well. But Impact Girls especially, in the verses we've just read, so Mary's song, this is not the Mary you see in your school nativity play, who just sits there stroking her womb. She has no lines. So she just sits there, and she's quiet and silent, and she's just obedient and lovely, and she's very quiet and pleasant and nice. But Mary is not a meek, mild, silent girl. She is a revolutionary. She is a history maker. We've just read the longest set of spoken words by a woman in the New Testament. The longest set of spoken words is by the one who's nice and quiet in our nativity plays. She's not meek, mild Mary. She's like revolutionary mama Mary. And her song that we read isn't, everyone, I've just been nice and lovely and mild. Her song is, God is coming to send the rich away empty, bring down rulers from their thrones. She's singing about how God is going to reorder the world. We're the first, our last, and the last, our first, when the people we exalt and worship, and the ones we think are so wise and learned, they're fools to God. That's Mary's song. She's a young woman singing about toppling rulers from their thrones and how God's order is going to look. She's not meek and mild. I think Mary is a good example of what our institutionalized faith has done to some of us as well. Since becoming a Christian, I've felt increased pressure to just be uh, nativity Mary. Just be quiet, Brett. Just be meek and gentle. Just be really, really nice. Don't rock the boat. Don't say anything, Brett. Just yeah, it will be really crazy nice. And the more pressure I feel to be Nativity Mary, the more I can feel myself becoming all those things that used to make my skin crawl about Christians before I was a Christian. All those things I didn't want to be, I see myself becoming more like. I'm more likely to gasp at someone cussing at youth group than have my heart move to compassion and have my heart gasp when I pass a homeless, hungry person that sucks. Like, that's not really the way I want to be. I'm more concerned about this surface level stuff. Oh my goodness. Oh, 
Sam said the F word, oh no. But I walk by hungry people literally daily. I walk by hungry people, sometimes physically hungry people, certainly spiritually hungry people every single day of my life. And um, I've become more concerned about my five-year plan and oh, where am I at with my mortgage than I am with where does God want to bring me? What's God's plans for me? What does God have in store? I could be way off here, uh, but it almost feels like sometimes we've made an idol out of what it's supposed to be to be a Christian and what it's supposed to look like. And it's not real Mary, it's Nativity Mary. I could be preaching this message at just me today. I know God has been convicting my heart as I've been researching this passage, looking into it, praying over it, but God has really been speaking to me through the, the faith and the responses of Mary and Elizabeth. Oh, something I should warn you about. I might call Mary Miriam sometimes. It's her Jewish name. I'll do my best to say Mary to avoid confusion. But Mary, specifically, is is one of my biblical heroes. And I feel sometimes the church has done a really rubbish job at portraying her for her fullness, her life, her vitality. She's so, I always describe her as zesty. (laughs) We've made her into this boring, silent, obedient, quiet, passive character, dare I say boring, uh, when Mary's the furthest thing from quiet and passive and boring, she's zest, she's wild, she follows God to the point of like ruining her life, ruining her social standing, uh, throwing away her five-year plan, um, and God throws it away, and she rejoices in it. She sings. She sings about what God is doing, and she sings that she gets to be a part of it. Um, I I don't know if you guys have heard of these five-year plans. Do do people ever talk about five-year plans here? Yeah. Oh, Anne's heard of it. Yeah, man. When I was in Canada, I wasn't sure if it was just a Canadian thing or a generational thing, but oh, in high school and in university, they used to drill in this five-year plan. What's your five-year plan? What are you going to do? What are you working towards? And yeah, idea you kind of want to be working towards something but since following Jesus I think many of us can probably attest or at least I can God does not care about my five-year plan (laughs) pretty much every time I try to make one of those God just throws it out crumples it up throws it out he's like no 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 we're gonna go on this adventure no 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 we're gonna do this thing Brit (laughs) I don't know, at least it's that way for me. And I'm so glad he has done that for me in my life as well. Because if he hadn't, I wouldn't be here in the UK. I wouldn't be speaking with y'all. I would probably be living in my hometown. Nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't right for me. Uh, I'd probably be living in my hometown. I'd have, you know, a good job. I think I'd be a little bit bored, really. But, but God has brought me on this absolutely wild adventure to this point where I'm now in Bristol, married to James. I, I think we can say we've been on this wild adventure, and I wouldn't change it for anything else. I wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't. I'm so glad I've listened to God when he shakes up my plans. But I can't always say I react like Mary and sing and praise in those times. Sometimes it's like, almost more like Israel in the wilderness, and it's like, God, where have you brought me? (laughs) 
what, maybe we'll go back there where it's safe. I know what's happening over there. Why don't we just go back there? That's nice and safe over there. I don't know. Maybe it's my age as I'm approaching 30, and you guys are watching me have my 30-year crisis on the stage here. I don't know. Uh, But God is really challenging me to rely less on my five-year plan and a lot more on him. Because I'm becoming so boring. Oh, this is the things that dominate my thoughts. Oh, mortgage, 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 finances. No, I can't take that risk, Jesus. Well, what about this? I, that sounds a bit scary, Jesus. But following Jesus is risky. Following Jesus is scary. And it's this wild adventure. How have we made it so bland? <laughs> or how have I done it at least? I don't know. It is risky. Mary's doing risky stuff. Risky, wild, Mary's doing wild stuff. Today we ask, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? And I'd venture to say the craziest decision you've ever made. If you were a Christian, it is following Jesus. If we take the Bible seriously, if we look at the very first people whose lives were affected by Jesus, it wasn't safe. <laughs> it wasn't safe five-year plan kind of things. If we take the Bible seriously, if we take following Jesus seriously, if we look at the life of Mary and take the implications seriously, following this God chap is pretty crazy. <laughs> Has God called you to something crazy lately? Has God spoken something wild into you lately? And how has following Jesus changed your life? Has it changed your life? Maybe you're a bit like me and thinking, man, my faith has become a bit stale. (laughs) My mind is almost wholly consumed by the things of this world and rent and savings, houses and five-year plans and money, how much money I'm supposed to earn and what do I have to keep earning to afford this? How am I going to live? Inflation's going up. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, (laughs) Maybe you have something strong in your heart. Maybe there's something strong you feel like God's calling you to, and you've been like, I don't know. That sounds wild. If it sounds wild, I would venture to say it's probably God. (laughs) If it sounds like an idea you wouldn't cook up, it's probably God. (laughs) And I'd probably... Well, my husband doesn't like this about me. I'm a bit of a risk taker. I'm a bit like, yeah, do it. But I would probably say follow that conviction because it's going to be better than anything we're going to cook up for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. As we close today, can I invite you guys just to stand up with, with me? If you're able to, that would be awesome. I just want to pray over us. Jesus, make us into Marys. Make us into Miriams. Holy Spirit, transform us into people who are less worried about our plans and money and keeping up with our neighbors and all these things of this world. Jesus, would you make us less concerned about these things than we are about your kingdom? Your kingdom, Jesus, your will, living on earth as it is in heaven, in Bristol as it is in heaven. Use us, Lord. Would we be people who say, here am I, send me. 
would we take on the posture of Mary, that we wouldn't only just say yes to God, but also sing and glorify God in the times where his plans are so, so different than our own. And uh, Stephen are going to lead us in some worship. But I wonder if we just take a moment um, and keep, um, stay in this space as Britt has, has started to lead us. Um, and uh, I think so often we rush away, don't we, to different things. And I guess that's kind of...